Let's just say a word of prayer. God, we thank you uh, for this morning that we can celebrate you, that we can draw close to you. As, uh, as the kids meet together, may you just uh, speak to them uh, through the craft that they're doing. And may the craft, may the purpose of it just, uh, just spread across the world and, and just tell of your glory. And Lord, as we look at your word this morning, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd speak to us through it, Lord, and that you'd speak clearly. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about take me to church. Why is church so important? Why are we here? Why are we doing this? I want to tell a story about a little boy who was sick one Sunday morning. And he usually went to church every Sunday with his mom and his dad, but he was sick. So he stayed home with his mom and his dad still went to church. And later, later in the morning at lunchtime, his dad came back from church and he was holding a palm leaf. It was Palm Sunday and so he was holding a palm leaf and his son asked, Dad, what's that palm leaf for? And his dad said, son, it it was Palm Sunday today. So when Jesus entered Jerusalem, when Jesus passed by, they waved palm branches and they put their cloaks down. And that's how Jesus came into the city. And the son was like, oh, that's just great. The one Sunday that I miss, Jesus shows up. Thankfully, Jesus shows up every time we meet. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to, turn to our passage today. It's in Acts 2, verse 42. And we're just going to read that once more together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the good news is that Jesus shows up every time we gather together in his name as the church. It says in Matthew 18:20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with them. Now this building, this big building, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people in this community. This church, this body, has a unique facility that means many different things. You could ask many different people in the community, what does this building mean to them? And some might say, oh, that's where I take my kids to dance, or some might say, that's where my kids go to the French school, or... That's where I go to get my hair done or get my feet looked at or pick up uh, a walker or crutches from the Red Cross. We can go on and on about the things that this building or the things that happen in this building. And they're positive things, hopefully, that are said. Hopefully, people have a lot of positive things to say. But when I say church, I'm not just referring to this building. The word church in Greek is actually ecclesia. And it means people who are called out from the world and to God. The reality is in the world, the church meets in many different places. Some meet in warehouses, gyms, movie theaters, storefronts, open fields, prisons, homes, underground in hiding, or former schools. In some places of the world, it's easy just to show up at church. And in other places of the world, it's very difficult. 
It could even cost you your life where there is so much hate and oppression. So when I say church, I'm not just referring to the place or the building. I'm talking about meeting together with one another as a body of believers with Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about how do you go to church. Now that can be kind of a no-brainer. You get up in the morning. Maybe you have a shower. Hopefully you get dressed. You drive or you get picked up. You get the kids ready. You take your seats. Sing a few songs. Listen to hopefully a good message. And then you go home. Some might say, you went to church. You did it. You can check that box off. Yes, I guess that's one way to do church. But I suggest to you that's not the best way. We need to rethink church, or at least think a bit more biblically about it. Jesus started the church, and Jesus loves the church. Jesus started the church, and Jesus loves the church. Jesus only started one organization when he walked the earth, and that is the church. He tells Peter in Matthew 16:18 that on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus loves the church. How do we know that? It says in Ephesians 5:25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. So we know that Christ loves the church. Now, last weekend, Candace and I just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. Thank you. 17 years of her putting up with me. It's a crazy amount of time. Thank you, Candace. Now, I could call Candace up here, but I won't. I saw that look. <laughs> but if you said something bad about my wife, that's not a good way to get on my good side. You'll probably get some sort of reaction from me some sort of response, and I promise you it won't be a good one. But if you said something bad about the church or against the church, the body of believers that worships Jesus, I'm sure you get some sort of response from God. Some people say they can't stand the church, the body of Christ, his bride, and they're insulting the husband. They're insulting God. Even us, as we speak, if we speak ill towards one another or our fellow Christian churches, what are we saying about the bride of Christ? We all have different functions and, and different flavors that we bring to the kingdom of God. But we are the church. We are what the church is. We've all heard people say they like Jesus or they believe in Jesus or they love Jesus, but they can't stand Christians. Or the church is a bunch of hypocrites. People that don't act like they say or don't act like they, they should. And... That's true. That's totally true. We are a bunch of hypocrites. We are sinners, and none of us are perfect. But it's so disappointing how the enemy can disappoint people and use circumstances to pull Christians away from their brothers and sisters who aren't perfect, but we can still encourage one another. Now, some people say they don't like organized religion. I don't know if they like their religion disorganized or chaotic. But everything has to have some boundaries, some perimeters, some structure. Some people say they don't want to live their life with absolutes when, in fact, that itself is an absolute. The body of Christ, or us called out ones, is the best family going. Now, it might be a dysfunctional one. There's no family that has it all together. Every family has its issues, but this is the best family going because Christ started it. 
Now, if you think there's no dysfunction in your family, it's probably you then. (laughs) Maybe it's you that puts the funk in this dysfunction in your family or in the church. And that's okay. God created us all to be a little different. Some are a little more different than others. But it's working together that makes life interesting, as long as we continue to work together in love. Now, there's some people that say they love Jesus but don't like the church. I wonder, how can you love Jesus who you can't see and yet not love his people who you can see? How can you love Jesus who you can't see and not love his people who you can see? First John 3.14, it says, We know we have passed from death to life because we love each other. And who does not love remains in death. Now, I'm going to say something that might be controversial or it might kind of upset you, but I believe that not going to church is proof that something's a little off with you spiritually. Now, I realize that sometimes there are extenuating circumstances. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're housebound. But able-bodied people who are able to be at church but not willing to go. You have a choice. You choose not to meet together. 1 John 2.19 says, This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. I believe the church is for every Christian, and every Christian should be in a church. On a regular basis, not just erratically, and not as a spectator, but as a participator participator excuse me i think having a testimony time is just incredible to share what god is doing to share how god is continually working maybe it's during a struggle that we can share maybe it's at the end of a struggle but it's awesome that we can come together that we can share and people can come up here and tell what god is doing that can be a little scary it's a little scary for leadership to just give up an open mic and give someone a voice just to talk. But church is not just a place to attend. It's a place to participate. You become part of a family. You develop accountability. You develop relationships. If something's going on in your life, maybe you're missing for a Sunday or two without any reason, people can notice. Now, I don't, mean, I don't mean notice just to judge or shake a finger at you. I mean to come alongside and support you as we're supposed to as a family. To ask if things are going okay. Or just to say, hey, we've missed you. Church is also a place to develop your giftings and form your theology. Who is God to you? Who is Jesus? Who's the Holy Spirit? When storms come up in your life, are you going to get blown over? Or is God your anchor? Be a part of your church. I encourage believers to get plugged into your local church or your church home. Because when you're not, you miss out on part of what God is doing. Now I'm sure if someone's thought long and hard, or maybe it wouldn't take some that long, someone could come up with a list of things, criticizing this and that in any church. Maybe they'll vent, maybe they'll post it online, or send an email. But who is that helping? Why do we do that? I hate to break it to you, but every church is flawed. 
If you think this one isn't, you just haven't found where the flaws are yet. But every church is flawed. Want to know why every church is flawed? It's because people like you are in it. People like me. We're flawed people. We're not perfect people. We mess up. We fall short. We don't always meet God's standards. But this is God's family, and we need to be an active part of this family. Even though every family is a little dysfunctional, God wants us all to be part of it. I'm sure a lot of us have heard people say, oh, I'm looking for a church that meets my needs. I think I've even said that before. I just want to be somewhere where my needs are met. Okay, well, at what point do we grow up a little bit and say, well, how can I start being in a church that meets the needs of others? I think a mark of spiritual maturity is when it stops being all about you and more about others. Now, I'm saying this to myself as well. It's tough because we all want to be part of a body where we click, where we can build connection with each other. We all want to belong somewhere. Now, for those of you that don't know me that well yet, um, it's almost been three months that I've been here as the halftime youth pastor. I have a wife and three kids. This is actually the third church uh, in the Alberni Valley that we've been part of. Um, just a little bit of my history. After graduating Bible College in 2003, um, I became an associate pastor at a church down island. I was part-time, and I was working more than 40 hours a week. We were living next door to the church, and I was working another part-time job, and I just ran myself into the ground. Um, yeah, that was a great three years. God did a lot of different things in my ministry, in my life, in that church, but I was just running myself into the ground, and eventually I got caught up in a mess of sin, and um, we parted ways with that church, and so we decided to move back to Port Alberni, uh, where both Candace and I grew up. And I was approached after that to, uh, to help plant a church, and so for nine years we helped plant uh, a church across town. You might know it as Gateway. It's a Mennonite Brethren Church, and there we served on the board for nine years, uh, I basically served, helped wherever needed, uh, led some worship, preached. Um, but I knew through that that God wanted us to return um, to ministry, vocational ministry, that he wanted us to be involved in the church. And so I thought, well, I went to a Pentecostal Bible college, and I was credentialed with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. So what better place to do that? Well, maybe I should go back to the Pentecostal church. So as seasons changed, um, we ended up going to Elam for about three years, ministering alongside of uh, Bruce Greenwood, who's a great pastor there. And uh, it was great to uh, kind of fill a role there for a few years. It was great to preach, lead worship wherever they needed me. That's, that's kind of where we helped out. And uh, um, yeah, so three years there. I can remember January of last year, January 2017, uh, I was actually in Niagara Falls. The company I was working for, they sent me to Niagara Falls to uh, to recognize me as uh, one of their top performing, performing managers. And uh, I was in the top three of 350 stores um, for profitability and all that stuff. Uh, so they sent me to Niagara Falls for a conference and it was a great view of Niagara Falls from the 20th floor. If you've never seen the falls up close, it's 
it's amazing just to see how much water goes over those falls. And uh, I can remember walking at night around those falls. I think it was close to midnight, just outside of the hotel, and just talking to God. And I remember saying, God, if you want me in ministry uh, again, if you want me in the church, um, how's that going to happen? God, I just turn the situation over to you. Um, just orchestrate the events because, honestly, it was a pretty comfortable job. Um, I was taken care of. I was, I was paid well. Um, I was successful, obviously. They sent me there. So it's just saying to God, God, how is that going to look like? You're going to have to orchestrate events to, uh, to get me back into the church because I know that's where you want me. So, God, I pray that you just make that happen. And uh, he actually did make that happen. Here I am a few months later, a halftime youth pastor here, and just an incredible body to be in so far. It's just great getting to know you guys. Uh, halftime youth pastor. I also have my own uh, side business. I tune pianos on the side. I'm a certified piano tuner. Just put a little plug in there if you're looking for someone. But uh, God has me here and now for this season, and I just think it's incredible um, getting to know the teens, getting to know you guys. Uh, such a great body, uh, great facility. Working al- alongside John, 30 years in ministry is just incredible. So I hope that some unity comes to the Valley Churches, maybe where there hasn't been. Um, I tell all that story, a bit, of, a bit of my history, and I realize I've glossed over quite a bit, so if you want to hear more, you can talk to me later. But I say all that um, because you might think that a certain place is where you need to be to get your needs met, but it might end up t- looking totally different than what you expect or imagine. If you focus on, God, how can I meet the needs of others? That's a great place for him to take care of you. When you begin to use your gifts and serve and help meet the needs of others, you actually benefit too. Matthew 20, 28 says, Even as the Son of Man did not come to be, come to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, the church exists for three reasons. To glorify God, to build one another up, and to evangelize the world. One way to think of that would be upward, inward, and outward. Every expression of the church has different functions, and we function in different capacities of these three reasons. All of us can think that many different types of church that that might evangelize well, or do they actually build each other up? Or that church does a great job glorifying God, their worship is incredible, but they're lacking missions and intentional evangelism. But diversity in the body of Christ is a great thing. We don't need a body of elbows just trying to move and get things done. There was a study done in in both Canada and U.S., and it found that people are going to church in North America less and less. There are people that used to attend every week, now regularly attend three times a month. There are people that attended twice a month, now only attend once a month. And people that were only attending once a month, they might go six times a year now. Similar to going to a gym. If you go once a week, maybe there's a little bit of a benefit. Twice a week, maybe it's a little better. Maybe you're going to feel the burn a bit. 
three times a week, you're going to see results. Now, obviously, I don't go to the gym. But, of course, you actually have to work out at the gym. You can't just stand in the corner at the water cooler and look at the equipment. Is it going to benefit you for sure, going on a regular basis? Yes, it will. But if you went once a month, no. If you went once a year, not at all. It's actually the business model of gyms because they, they build it around that very thing. They'll oversell their memberships because they know all the people aren't going to show up. So why are people going to church less? Well, there's another survey, and it showed uh, these top three reasons. Now, these aren't ones that I came up with. This was the result of their survey. It says, my kids are playing on sport teams, and that often happens on Sundays or requires travel. Another one is, well, there's more travel. People travel more, taking more vacations, or that's the only time they can squeeze in time off, so Sunday attendance can easily take a back seat. Another excuse would be, well, there's so many online options where we don't need to leave our house, we don't want to leave our house, so we'll just do that instead of attending. Now, sometimes I'm guilty of this sometimes, too. It can be easy to say, well, let's just sleep in today, or let's just have a family day. Right? I coach soccer. I coach a team of under 12-year-olds. I could say to the team, well, let's just have an extra practice. Now, if you're online listening to this right now and you're not here Sunday morning, we miss you. You're, you're welcome to come out. But thanks for listening. Not only is church important for you, but it's also important for your children and potentially grandchildren and even great-grandchildren. Another survey was done, and it found that if both mom and dad attended church regularly, 72% of their children will be faithful attenders at church as they get older. If only dad attends regularly, 55% of the children will be regular attenders as they grow up. If only mom attends regularly, 15%. Now, that's not a diss on moms. I think that just shows we need strong, godly male leadership. So guys, step it up. It shows the influence that a father has. I think most mothers would agree with me. But God bless you mums that keep or kept bringing your kids or grandkids out to church alone. That's hard work. I'm sure there's a lot of tough days. And if neither mother or father attend church regularly, 6% will remain faithful as they get older. So see the influence of parents and grandparents. Don't just send your kids or grandkids to church. Bring your kids to church. Candace was reminding me last night of a story where, uh, where we brought Matthew to church, or actually she brought Matthew to church. I was already at church. I was on the music team that Sunday. And so she's struggling to get all three kids ready, to church, ready for church. And she's having a bit of an argument with Matthew, who's about five at the time. And Matthew really wants to wear his Spider-Man costume to church. So they're fighting back and forth, and Candace just tells Matthew, you cannot wear your Spider-Man costume to church. So finally Matthew gets dressed, and then they, they, all, three of the, all four of them come to church. And Candace is at church during the service, and she's tending to Joel, who's a baby at the time. And Matthew says, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. And so Candace lets him go to the bathroom, and sure enough, he goes downstairs to the bathroom. Well, he comes back up wearing his Spider-Man costume. His mom, I didn't wear it to church. He took all of his clothes off. He had it underneath, and that's the only thing he had on. 
But uh, some people, they, they go surfing or golfing or hiking, and they say, oh, I'll just talk to God there. I don't need to go to church. Well, I hope you will talk to God there. I hope you talk to God everywhere. But don't do that in the place of going to church. This is a place where we can encounter and talk to God. You're setting aside part of your time as a sacrifice to him. It's only two hours. You need the church, and the church needs you. Hebrews 10, 22 to 25 says, Let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and full assurance of faith. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So this isn't just a 21st century problem. This is also a 1st century problem. Some people don't think we need to meet together regularly. Why should we? Because the day of the Lord is coming. He's coming back. The habit of some today and even back then was to forsake the church. But as the author of Hebrews tells us that when we forsake meeting together, we are no longer drawing near to God. We are losing hope. And when we start to lose our concern for others and only have concern for ourselves. I like how the message translation puts it, puts it this way. It says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. You know, sometimes I think we get the consumer mentality when we come to church. We might say the guitars are too loud or the lights are too dim or there's no coffee left for me after the service or the pastor didn't acknowledge that I'm here. We almost treat it like a movie theater experience that we can sit back and relax. I don't know if anyone's been to that new theater in Nanaimo that has those nice leather reclining chairs. It's been about a year since I was there. But there's cup holders on either side. You can sit back. You can relax. And I can remember the last time I sat down, I sat back and relaxed, and I fell asleep. It became a very expensive nap. So don't let church become an expensive nap. We're only together for a short time and such a small time in the scheme of the whole week. Don't miss out on the time that we could have here together. The time we have to worship, pray, look at his word, and seek after God. The big day is approaching. Don't miss out on this time together to celebrate God. Church should never be boring. It should be a celebration. And each one of us that call Jericho Road our home church have a responsibility to have some sort of function in the church. Now, if you don't know what your function is or what you're called to do in the church, I encourage you to find out what you're not supposed to be doing in the church. Volunteer for everything. Narrow it down until you find something that's an okay fit. I've been here for almost three months, and I'm still finding out about different ministries and different things that are going on here. Besides the Sunday stuff of, of music, sound, video, kitchen, Sunday school, even the bulletin that you get at the door, greeting at the door, there's all sorts of stuff during the week, too, like I Am Second, Wednesday morning Bible study, soaking prayer, youth ministry, ministry to the homeless out of a van that needs replacing, actually, uh, the cleaning crew, the chair crew, 
Those are just a few that I know about. I'm sure there's many more that I miss. But if you don't know where you're gifted, find out where you're not. Just volunteer for everything. You know, we might have a few people for kids ministry next week or a few people stacking chairs. We'll see. But the church needs you and you need the church. Yes, the church doesn't have it all together. It's made up of flawed people. And if you do find a church that you think has it all together, you probably haven't met the right people yet. Maybe you know someone or some people that used to come out to church, but we don't see them sitting here anymore. Maybe you know someone or some people that should come to church, but you don't know how to get them here. Will you take a chance and invite them? Maybe they stopped coming, but will you invite them again? You'd be surprised how many non-Christians I talk to think that they won't be welcome in a church, that they can't just show up without an invitation, almost like they're not allowed to go if they don't know someone in that church. So give them an invitation. Invite them. You might just be surprised. But what's the worst that can happen? They'll say no. They'll give you a list of excuses or a bit of their story. If anything, it starts a conversation. So just keep trying and don't give up. You never know when the season will come where they need the church and they're open to coming. Now, if you're new here or visiting today, I'm not just saying all this to get you to start attending Jericho Road as your home church. If you have a church home already, I encourage you to get more involved in your home church. Be the church, not just show up once in a while. But thank you for joining us. You're welcome here. And if you attend Jericho Road Church, whether consistently or once in a while, it's good to see you. I'm still figuring out who's new, who's been here for many years. But thank you for joining us. We're glad you made it. You are an encouragement to people around you. You never know the impact that you have just by showing up and sitting in a chair, smiling at someone, saying hello. That might be just what they needed that day. So I encourage you just to keep coming. Now, getting here isn't always, isn't always easy. There are so many things that can carry us off from meeting together, so many distractions. The enemy can give us so many reasons why we shouldn't go or why it isn't important. But we are stronger when we are together. Not only is it a spiritual blessing to be part of a church, it's also physically good for you. Time magazine did an interesting cover story about the physical benefits of faith in the church back in 2009. These are actual medical studies done. They found that heart surgery, heart surgery patients who draw comfort from their faith have a significantly higher survival rate of people who do not. They found the blood pressure of people who attend church generally is lower than those who don't. People with faith that attend church experience less depression than non-church attenders. And the suicide rate is four times higher among non-church attenders than church attenders. So be a part of the church. Looking at our passage in Acts 42, this is the closest thing to the church that Jesus wanted in the first century. These are the foundational scriptures for a church today. And this is the church that turned its world upside down. They were a worshiping church. Now, God reveals himself in an especially unique way through the Holy Spirit when we worship and study his word. So if you unplug from that, you're missing out on a significant thing in a specific way that God wants to speak into your life. 
Psalms 106.1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. When we worship God, we are doing what we are created to do. In heaven, we're going to worship. I don't care if you can't sing well now, or if you're not clapping on the right beats. But hey, if you have a hard time worshiping down here, practice more. Then you're going to be doing it up there, and you'll know what you're doing. From Genesis to Revelation, our faith is one of worship. Now, there are times when we don't feel like worshiping. It can be more of a sacrifice then. Hebrews 13:15 it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. So we say, I don't feel like it. Well, so what if you don't feel like it? It's more of a sacrifice then. What you feel doesn't change who God is. It's the fruit of your lips that he wants to hear. He wants you to actually say it. Well, doesn't God know that I love him? Well, yeah, he wants you to say it. You could think of it like a marriage. Do you tell your spouse that you love them only once? Maybe on your wedding day and then that's it? You're good? You never have to say it again? No, your spouse probably wants to hear it a little more often than that. Maybe even daily. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for all you do. All you do. God wants to hear you say it. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. It doesn't say, give thanks to the Lord when you feel good. And in verse 47, they were breaking bread and praising together. God was adding to the number daily. Your worship is a witness. There's a connection there when non-believers see believers give praise to God. It's a powerful testimony to them how you praise when things really suck. People are watching you. You want to see, oh, let's see how this Christian does their work. Or let's see how this Christian shops. Or let's see how this Christian tips in the restaurant. Or how this Christian drives. Uh-oh. You are being watched. How do you hold up under pressure? Do you still give God praise? Now, remember when Paul and Silas were thrown in the prison and they were put in stocks? The jailer was outside keeping an eye on them. They began to sing hymns and songs of praise. And that it says the other prisoners were listening. An earthquake happened, so they, they were able to get free. And the jailer was about to kill himself because his, he thought his prisoners got free. And what do the men say? They say, hold on, we're still here. And then what happens? The jailer asks, what must he do to be saved? It was their worship that set the stage for the jailer's conversion. Your worship is a testimony. You can do it even when you don't feel like it. Worshiping God with other Christians helps put things into perspective. When I come to church today with a burden or a trouble, and you don't know what to do, you can call on Him. Psalm 34.3, it says, Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. It doesn't say, let's magnify our problems together. It says, magnify the Lord in all of his glory. Then you'll be able to see your burden, your problem, in its proper perspective. When you isolate yourself from other believers, you can lose perspective. You can become fearful, confused, angry, or bitter. I think of Thomas. We sometimes call him Doubting Thomas, but he was disillusioned. He missed out on being there when Jesus 
first appeared to the rest of the, the apostles. He separated himself. But when Thomas, Thomas finally got together with the other believers, Jesus showed up to him and ministered to him and spoke to him in a way that he needed. Did you know it's okay to laugh in church and have fun? Church shouldn't be boring. If church is boring to you, I encourage you to get involved and let's change that. I want to read a little bit from one of Randy Clark's books. For those of you that don't know who Randy Clark is, um, back in the 90s, he was a young pastor. He was uh, used by God for the Toronto Blessings. And uh, this book is called Lighting Fires. As one person observed, some of the ones who were laughing the hardest and had the most fun said the laughter was like anesthesia for the surgery that the Holy Spirit was about to perform on them, dredging up things that they had pressed down because they were too painful to deal with. Now they were coming up and they were really beginning to get their healing. It's like someone's throwing one big party. I can see how some of the meetings may have given the impression of a party atmosphere. But while the laughter? Aside from my belief that God is changing the definition of church, I also believe that God wants us to have some fun. Most people don't like church because they complain that it's boring. God doesn't want church to be boring. He wants to restore the excitement to church, much the same as when the Holy Spirit first came among us in the first century, and he wants to bring the prodigals back home. I am convinced that Jesus wants us to celebrate when we come to church, and enjoy the fact that the prodigals are suddenly returning home in droves. We, the elder brothers and sisters of those prodigals who have been away a while, have been put in charge of the welcoming committee. So now the Lord wants us to throw a party for the prodigals and celebrate their return to the Father's house. After all, this is just the first phase of this great end-time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. To date, we're just ankle-deep in it and splashing around. God has more to pour out on us. But first, he wants to throw a party as he begins to clean us up. So what's so important about the church? The church is here, and Jesus shows up every time we gather. Jesus started the church, and Jesus loves the church. It's a place to use your gifts and serve and help meet the needs of others. The church has a purpose to fulfill, to glorify God, to build one another up, and to reach out to the community and world. The church needs you and you need the church. And the church can help you stand against the enemy. I don't know if you've heard me tell this story before about the three bulls and the lion, but there were once three bulls that were out in this field. They were grazing together. And uh, this lion was just prowling around the fence waiting to attack them. But the lion couldn't because the three bulls, they had such horns and there were three sets of them that the lion didn't stand a chance. So the lion came up with a plan. He made friends with one of the bull, and he told them that the other two bull were saying things about him behind his back. The first bull believed the lion and didn't want to talk anymore to the other two bulls. The lion did the same thing to the other two bulls. And because they didn't want to talk to each other anymore, soon the three bulls were separated into different fields. So the lion promptly killed and ate them all one by one. When they were together, the three bulls could easily withstand the lion, but when they were alone, they were no match on their own for him. 
First Peter 5, 8, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy would love to tell you not to go to church, that you're not going to miss anything. He'd love to distract you, put doubt in your mind, because once he's planted that there, it's only a matter of divide and conquer. But he knows not to get you straight on, but from the sides and thin out the herd. Satan knows that Christians become weaker when there's discord or disagreements, but we must learn to stand and rely on God and each other through the enemy's schemes. As I close and the worship team comes back up, um, did you know that we are one of the best outfits in the world? We're better than any union, any club, any charity. We're one of the greatest organizations in the world, the church. We have a product that works universally. We have a gospel message that can, and it has the power to transform any people group and any culture. We have offices worldwide. In every country, every culture has some expression of the local church, whether that's underground, in a home, or a building like this. And we have a great benefits package. We have meaning. We have cause. We have peace for the most part. We have a retirement package that's off the charts. We have a place that's prepared for us. We belong to the greatest group and the greatest cause in the world. Now, our church, we strive to be a meeting place that when we come, regardless of our condition, you can find restoration, you can find healing, you can find help, and we can celebrate the mercy of God here. It's not always perfect. It's not always 100%. There's no dress code here. We don't care what your week is like here. Anyone is welcome here.